Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. Today is a very exciting Friday because there's lots of young people on the podcast and I'm excited, or young compared to me, so I'm excited about that. Um, so Bria Johnson and Blake Halverson are both here. We met at the Scrum Gathering during sort of an awkwardish moment at lunch. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I'd like to ask them to introduce themselves and that will kind of help us segue into the topic. So um, Bria, could you tell the folks that are listening who you are and a little bit about your background and if you want to give hints at why we're talking about this stuff, that's okay, too. Yeah, I'm Bria Johnson. I am a certified Scrum master and a certified Scrum product owner, and I've known about Scrum since my freshman or no, sophomore year in high school because I grew up with a certified Scrum trainer. Um, my background, I work at a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. benefit management companies here in the Twin Cities, and I'm excited to do this podcast. Okay, did it finally stop snowing? It did. It actually was super hot here in the country, 100 degrees last weekend. Wow. So, okay. so yeah. when we were there, it was like 17 feet of snow, and now it's 100 degrees. Yes. Okay. You should you should give a shout out to your mom. Do you want to say who she is so that folks can connect, make the connection? Yeah, my mom is Lonnie Weaver Johnson. Who is a so CST yes, fellow yep, tech member. I'm her mini me, so I look just like her and I act just like her. <laughs> All right, and and Blake, what about you? Can you tell the folks who you are? Yeah, I'm Blake Helverson. I uh, graduated from Augsburg University last year with a double major in management information systems and marketing, and was able to get a position with Kiat's Crew 212 program as an agile facilitator, where I've been placed with a client, Merrill Corporation, uh, for the last year. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what Scrum was or the philosophy of Agile, um, but growing up, my mom was, uh, was a coach, and so she would bring it up in conversations, but I didn't really know what that was about until I started receiving actual training, and I started being able to tie back what I'm learning to what my mom was actually doing my, my high school career. Okay. And do you want to, you should tell folks who your mom is as well? Yeah, my mom is Teresa Thompson. Okay. Um, yeah, we met at the Global Scrum Gathering, and uh, I, was, I thought she was a big deal, then I met uh, Lonnie. Uh, Bria's mom and my mom was like no 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 her mom is the big deal well so so for me the really interesting thing was I'm sitting at the table when we're all having lunch and I find out that you're both there and and your parents had I guess invited or dragged or coerced you into attending which was I think is awesome um, it shows a really nice evolution in this stuff but I was very excited to to hear about how you guys have been using this stuff since you were in high school whether you knew it or not um, or whether you initially rejected it or not it was it was in there in your brains kind of helping things get ready um and you both started working in agile right out of school right i did yeah yeah and i have been using it more in my day-to-day life i am looking more for the scrum master roles as i'm getting further in my career okay cool um so let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about that um and Blake, we'll start out with you since since you you were kind of aware of this stuff in high school. Were you using any of it? Ah, uh, yes. So I kept hearing about you know the importance of honesty and transparency in relationships, and I noticed that you know effective relationships happen when I was uh, being honest with them about what I'm doing. And we would have things in my family like uh, weekly meetings where we talk about our week together, um, and you know I was using it without even knowing I was using it. So you were doing sort of like retrospectives almost. I was doing retros. We were doing planning with the family of what events are happening that week because we were very busy with sports and theater. And it was nice to know eventually uh, 
after you know a few times doing this, I was like, oh, I can't call my sister because she's doing this, and I want to keep her focused on her track meet. Wow, and it was interesting okay. to start seeing that. So, did you guys have like a Kanban board or anything like that that we're using to keep track of it all? We sure did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and what about with with getting ready for for college and things like that, or, or even working on that admission process? Did either one of you use any of this stuff during that that part of your life? I didn't use it to get ready for college with admissions stuff. Okay. Um, I used it for like our grad party to set that up and to okay. organize that. And then once I got into college, I used it to prioritize all of my schoolwork. So you started using it more for personal stuff and then it found its way into, I mean, the work that you were doing while you were in school. Yep. Yeah. Do you, one of the things when I, when I got to my freshman year in college, one of the things I noticed was that, and I, I believe it was because of the kind of school I went to, but a lot of the kids that were there were just totally lost. Like they had no ability to understand how to cope with the work that was in front of them or how to organize it or keep track of it or any of that. Um, is that sort of what led you into using this stuff, Bria? Yeah, I am the type of person that I saw the school syllabus and the class syllabus and I panicked because there was so much work over the next four months that we had to do and how could I get it all done? And that's when I really brought Scrum into it to say, okay, if I prioritize all of my work, if I put it out on post-it notes, it looked smaller and I could take it into smaller chunks and I felt less overwhelmed and lo and behold, my workload got done. Okay. So it's it's like a stress coping mechanism in some respects. Definitely. Okay. Um, and Blake, what about you? When you were in, I, when you got into school, how much was this helping you? A lot. So I did the same thing as Bria, where I took the syllabus and I broke it down into, you know, I, I have time this week to do this, and this comes first before this. And uh, it was really cool to see at the end of the semester, my life got a lot easier. Uh, and everyone else's started, you know, becoming a lot more complicated because there was a lot more things to do. But in my life, it, the semester started off, you know, that, that first week was the hardest, but then every week would get easier because I established this routine of getting the hard things done first and so you was, were uh, kind of looking at the year as like a release almost and kind of burning through, burning down the work, I guess. That's like. exactly what I did, yes. <laughs> so, th- I mean, it's interesting because my strategy was basically put the syllabus in a drawer and go buy some more beer because it was just too much to deal with. Um, <laughs> which And I didn't have Post-its back then. So it wasn't, I guess that's that's my excuse. They weren't Post-its. So that'll be my I've way of getting out of it. I've had semesters like that before. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did you did you teach this stuff to anybody else any of the folks around you or was it just you guys using it on your own um i was just using it on my own but i was definitely picked on by my college roommates because they could see that i had post-it notes all over my wall and so they'd come in and they'd be like what is that stuff i'm like oh this is my organizing of my school workload so they just kind of like would roll their eyes and i'm like they didn't know how effective it actually was. Yeah. And now they're probably working in jobs where they're being forced to take trainings and how to do it. Yeah. They're definitely working at corporations that I know are using scrum. I'm like, you could have learned this in college. (laughs) So when you both started working after college, how much did knowing this stuff in advance give you kind of a leg up on the other folks you were surrounded by? A lot of it kind of just made sense already. The things I was learning, I was, I was able to repeat back with like, and of of course, of course, it's important to do this and that. So that leg up was really just things that they were teaching were already, I already knew. And so I didn't have to uh, have any mindset changes 
at the time because my mind was already shifting. Okay. Okay. What about you, Bri? Um, For me, my first job out of college was at a financial company in the Twin Cities. And I didn't use it on the projects that I was working on, but other people were using Scrum and they would pull me into their meetings and say, you know, are we doing this right? Is is this what we're supposed to do? Does, <laughs> does our post-it notes look okay? And I'm like, yeah, like they look great. So you ask the team. Yeah, but they'd be like, oh, you're a certified Scrum master and you grew up with a trainer. You're important. Come to our meeting. Like, okay. Well, that's, I mean, I, I do think that's great. It definitely yeah. opens a door. I had, um, I think the youngest class, youngest person I ever taught was 12 when when they passed the, the CSM. And I mean, that, that to me was just, it was a neat thing to know that they were going to have that in their pocket. And as long as they continued with it, it would open some doors when they got into the workforce. At least that was the hope anyway. Um, yeah. How much do you, do, do, do either of you, um, and Bria, maybe we'll start with you this time, um, have to go back and or go back to your to your parents and interact with them and talk about how this stuff is working or how you might do it better? I mean, are they coaching you as well or is it just sort of like, oh, you know, whatever. I'm doing my own thing now. Um, I will since my mom is a trainer, I think she's going to be a lifelong coach, even okay. if I don't want her advice. She probably won't let you get away with it. Yes, she will always be there. But it's been really helpful in work situations or I just bought a house in January. So organizing all of the workload for that, um, asking her tips and tricks. And does this Wait, look you're right? three years out of college and you just bought a house. I did because I lived at home for three years. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I saved all my money. But um, yeah, so having her be there, it's like a token in my back pocket. I love it. As much as sometimes I get annoyed by it, she's will always be a good teacher and she's a great coach. So it's awesome to have her to utilize her tips and tricks. Okay. And Blake, what about you? So my mom will as well be a lifelong coach. Um, when I first started my career as the scrum master, I, I called her a lot, um, more than I am willing to admit. Um, <laughs> She was a, a constant contact of how do I go about this? How can I try a different way? Um, and I always came back to kind of banging my head on the wall of, all right, let's go go back at it tomorrow and try a different uh, strategy. Um, but I've noticed as I've been going through time, I've been uh, calling her less. So I think the, this last two weeks, I haven't called her once about any problems at work or any for any advice. I'm starting to do my own thing, Blake, but she's definitely gonna, always going to be my Blake, pocket. Blake, call your mother. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, that's. Yes. I, sorry, Thanks, I didn't Dave. mean to interrupt. It was. It was just hanging there, waiting for it. I think that's. I mean, to me, as a parent, like one of the things that I hope is that it does kind of create um, another reason to have conversations with my daughter as she, you know, enters the workforce and stuff like that. Not that I don't want to talk to her anyway, but I think if there's more, um, more reason, you know, to, to to create those calls and things like that, that's that's just a better way to stay in touch with your kid from a completely selfish standpoint. Um, I mean, of all the stuff that you learned when you were kind of either having this stuff slowly pushed into your heads or actually studying it, um, what is the most valuable thing that you picked up that is that helped you either during school or, or after school kind of get started with your career? What's like the one thing you're like, oh, this is the most important jewel that I got out of all that stuff? Um, I would have to go with empathy. Um, the ability to like just put myself in other people's shoes and be able to understand where they're coming from. Okay. Um, especially through school, there was always, you know, working in teams and there was always, you know, 
difficult people to work with. And if I was able to put myself in their shoes and see where they're coming from, I would be able to open up uh, more effective communication and, you know, get that work done with uh, just more value attached to it and be able to create more relationships. Throughout college, I was able to, uh, I became like a listener. Yeah. A lot of the times where I found myself in situations where I would just listen a lot to other people. Okay. And it kind of resulted in just a lot of relationships and a lot of uh, that go-to person for conflict and resolution. Okay, great. Um, and Bree, what about you? So the big word that sticks out to me in all the scrum classes that I've taken and the gatherings is the word transparency. I think it's really difficult for people to admit their mistakes or admit that they don't know how to do something and that they need help. And I remember when I learned Scrum, I was a sophomore in high school and we were working on, my parents were building a house. And so the our Scrum board was kind of our task board that we grabbed from of what chores we were going to do to help build the house. And the word transparency really came up because we would choose a project, but if we didn't know how to do it, we had to ask for help. And I think that is just one thing that has really resonated with me, especially when you get into the workforce, because a lot of people don't want to be transparent and they want to seem like they can do it all. But in reality, we can't do it all. We need to ask for help or, you know, we're human. We make mistakes. Yeah. And I, I think that's a huge thing for Agile and Scrum is that that's okay. It's, what's interesting to me about what you both said is that you both focused on stuff that's more on the soft skill side, um, you know, embracing failure, having empathy, all those things. People get really hung up on process when they start to learn about Scrum or some other form of Agile. But that's always, I always try to explain that that's the easy part. The hard part is the stuff that you guys just talked about. And the fact that that got plugged in so early is really incredible. Um, I th- I think what my major in college was communication studies. So I've always had those soft skills. Okay. Um, that I, you know, I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm a people pleaser. I like to talk to people, but I also like to hear people. So for me, those were the easy parts about scrum because that was my background. Since I didn't have the technical background, I didn't have the hard, you know, the hard skills. So that, so that's also, I mean, generationally, it's interesting to me, too. I have a communications degree as well, but that was the degree you got when I was in college. Like, if you couldn't figure out what to do, you just like, go oh, take communications. Um, <laughs> yep. As opposed to something you gravitate towards because you're like, oh, that's where my natural affinity lies. I think I'm going to go study something I'm interested in anyway. Um, yep. So what generation do you, do you both consider yourself to be part of? I want to make sure I'm not stepping over a line here. I'm a millennial, and I am millennial. proud to be. Okay. I'm proud to be a millennial. Okay, good. So, can we talk about this for a second? Because I want to ask for advice from you both. Let's um, jump in. Okay, so you're you're in the workforce now. You both have studied this stuff. You've been practicing it for a long time. Maybe you know, like Blake. Maybe you've only been out in the work workforce for a year, but you've been using this stuff for a long time, longer than some of the people you're going to interact with. Um, what is the biggest barrier that people from you know, Gen X or some of the older, older folks put in the way that, that you feel like doesn't need to be there where you, you know, if if this one thing hadn't been jammed in your way, you could have added more value or helped out more. Hmm. I would have to go with the, just the, the hierarchy, um, of, top-down um, priorities and 
what how what we're doing and how we do it. Okay. Um, and just having worker bees that just follow. Um, I think uh, if we can remove that, if we were able to remove that from the older generations, I think would have been very helpful for the implementation of Agile in a lot of companies today. Okay. I struggle a lot getting people to take ownership kind of and um, agree to make decisions on their own. And they're always, I see a lot of uh, waiting for upper management to make those decisions for them. And and so that's frustrating because you're, you're engaged at a different level than, than a lot of people in, in the older generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll speak on their behalf. I mean, you're talking about worker bees and there are people that are afraid to make decisions and they might, I can see where they might look at you as, you know, coming along and you're like, no, let's just do this. Like, you don't understand how things work here, kid. This is how I keep my job through all the layoffs. It's like, <laughs> yep. yeah, but I mean, to, to me, I always go like, do you really, is that really what you want to do with your life is just not get laid off? Like, I mean, um, that's got to be tough to come in and, and be surrounded by people that are trying to not get noticed or not put themselves at risk when you are wanting to do that. Yeah, it all ties back to what you said, uh, fear. It's just a lot of people that, you know, just navigating away from fear at work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I think two people are just stuck in their ways. And they might be, like, fearful to try something, but I think a lot of the times, too, is they just don't want to. Yeah. Because this is the way they've always done it, and it's worked, semi-worked, and they don't want to change it. Where we come in and, you know, we've had to adapt to a few things and we've had to change processes and go through ebbs and flows. And, and so we're okay with that. Like we, we get how agile works because you know, that's just our generation. So if either of you worked in waterfall, traditional project management, um, I did a little bit at my first job out of college. Um, a little bit, okay. but what I took, so I've taken the certified scrum, um, master training class three times. Okay. It pays, it pays to have a, my mom who's yeah. a CST. Um, and my first time I took it, I was in college. And so I had never worked in a waterfall setting and I had never worked in a true corporation scrum setting. And I remember taking her class and leaving her class and thinking, why would anyone use waterfall? Like it just didn't make it just didn't make sense to me. Like, I mean, the stuff that I was kind of being taught in my classes, yeah. it seemed it seemed like scrum, and just the way I lived my life. Like I'm open, I'm I'm empathetic, I you know I do all these things, and I'm like, yeah, that I do that already. So yeah. why would I why would I do waterfall? It, the the whole concept of waterfall did not make sense to me. Okay, and Blake, what about you? Um, I would say that I did. Uh, I worked as an event coordinator for okay. a race company management um, that they put on triathlons, marathons around the state. And we okay. kind of had to use waterfall where you never saw the end picture until the race day. Yeah. So it's first we do this, then this, and let's see how it turns out at the end. Um, okay. It was kind of, I mean, really how we had to do it. Yeah. Um, so, so that was my only experience I would say with waterfall in the work environment. Okay, so I, I've i noticed in classes I'm starting to get younger people who have – I had one class, this guy was like, why are you teaching us all this waterfall stuff? Like, what is it? I've never heard of it before. I'm like, you should just fall to your knees and thank whatever you worship in the sky that you've never had to do that because you're very yeah. lucky. Um, <laughs> well, so and I, we, when, I, when I worked in waterfall at my first job out of college, 
nothing got done. So I'm like, I never really saw a true waterfall because I never really saw an end product. No, that's pretty much how it works. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like I was there for a year and I'm like, we didn't deliver anything. Yeah. So I never saw the end result of waterfall, but I guess I worked in well, it's, it's hard, and it's hard to stay motivated in that context. Um, yeah. The, the, the reason that I wanted to ask this question is because I think for people, you know, older people like me, um, it's also a bit of a warning because there's a younger generation coming up and, and they either don't have experience with it or they've looked at it and been like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, why would anyone want to do that? Um, mm-hmm. And to be an expert in a system that's considered to be the thing that nobody wants to do is not necessarily a good place to be so so some of those folks who want to just you know stay as drones and avoid the laughs they're probably more at risk um, by not being transparent and open to failure and taking chances than they would be otherwise so so do you have are there things that that you are both wishing you had learned more about with respect to agile or that you're trying to study up on right now so i've taken this certified scrum training three times and I've known about it for 10 years but it's really hard when you don't have the concrete corporation experience where you want to come in and you want to teach this corporation this brand new thing but you're still this young buck and they're like how do you like how do you know what you're talking about how are you so well versed in this stuff um so it's really hard to bring in you need our ideas. yeah when we don't have the true corporation experience we have like i have the home life experience i have my own projects that i'm managing kind of experience yeah yeah blake what about you i would say i wish i knew more on the tech side <clears throat> okay um i had a degree in management information systems so i was aware of some things but i came in into the operations world and um you know, I, was, I wish I was able to understand a bit more about you know, how to actually do the work. Um, yeah. I know it, it can be dangerous um, if I know too much, um, but you know, I'm helping them break down their work. And if I had, a, I think, a better understanding of what that work actually is, um, I think that would have been helpful. So part of me wants to go back to college and learn more about um, just engineering best practices and uh, extreme programming and things like that. Yeah. I think you'll be able to pick a lot of that up. I mean, it's it's you're in a very fortunate situation. I think the opposite side is is harder when people understand the tech side, but they don't get the soft skill side. Um, it's harder to teach people that. Most of the teams you work with, I think, would be happy to take time and walk you through it. Um, so I have a question. One last question for both of you. I'm teaching a class on Monday, and I'm going to have a 16 year old in my class. Um, wow. Yeah. Nice. Still in high school. So that was the age I learned at. <laughs> so what, and he's going to be the only person of that age in the class. What advice do you have for me um, in terms of interacting with this person or, or helping them get their head around, especially lacking context because they, they won't have the context. Um, what should I do to make it easier for this person to get this stuff kind of sorted out in their head? So, I would say um, make sure that the 16-year-old just gets the basics. Okay. Like the, you know, the user story writing and, um, you know, retrospectives. I didn't really do a lot of those when I was in college because uh, it was just me. So, I like, I wasn't going to have a retrospective. I had, you know, I talked to myself in the bathroom here and gave myself a pep talk. But, like, I didn't, <laughs> like... <laughs> Get your Amy Cuddy moment in and then get back to class. 
exactly. But the basics that I took away, the, you know, writing my stuff down and organizing it and having my to do my doing and my done column yeah. and just making sure that everything was laid out. Um, and that I was also, you know, just, I guess not to be afraid and overwhelmed too, because at first they're not going to understand, but if they can apply it to just situations in their, in their life, yeah. it makes a lot more sense than when you get into the heavy, like technical stuff behind scrum. Okay. All right. Blake, what advice do you have for me? My advice would be uh, to focus on storytelling. Um, that's something that, uh, in my CSM and CSPO classes, I really was able to relate with. Um, and, being able to tie it back to real life examples okay. um, in my personal life, but also professional life. Um, yeah, I, I try to do it as well in my work and with my nieces and nephews. And when I'm trying to get a point across, I usually try to do it in a story. Okay. Um, I have to work on my storytelling skills. I think we all do. That's a never yeah. ending, <laughs> never ending <laughs> thing. Okay, cool. So I'll try to tell lots of stories. I really appreciate you both taking time. Um, out of your day to do this and being so open about it. And I'm, I'm excited that there's, you know, another generation of people coming up who are interested in doing this and carrying it on. Okay, so if people want to get in touch with either of you and, and follow up with some questions, Bria, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is just Bria, B-R-I-A, and then Johnson. Okay. I'll include a link in the show notes as well. Okay. Cool. And Blake? I would say LinkedIn as well, yeah. Just cool. Blake Helverson. All right. H A L V O R S O N. Cool. Well, thank you both very much. I hope you have a great day. And uh, and for those of you listening, thanks a lot. And teach this stuff to the young people around you. And then let them teach you back so you learn stuff too. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. And yeah, thank you very much. This is awesome. 